I want to thank all the labor unions here in Dane County that help keep SlyOffice.com up and going so you keep up to date. Whether it be the Madison Firefighters, Local 311, or the Madison Teamsters, Local 695, or our friends at Madison Teachers Incorporated. These are some of the most active local unions who organize, 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 and constantly stand up for workers. Thank you from SlyOffice.com. When you're looking for a new computer or need help with one you already own, call 231-8000 and Madison Computer Works will get things up and running for you. Madison Computer Works, computers that work for you. Welcome to another podcast at SlyOffice.com, brought to you by Madison Teamsters Local 695 and the Operating Engineers Local 139. John Nichols from the Capital Times and The Nation with us. John, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I've got something to brighten your day. Here we go. Not only do we have the D.C. jail, which is the D.C. gulag, but now we have Nancy Pelosi's gazpacho police spying on members of Congress, spying on the legislative work that we do, spying on our staff, and spying on American citizens that want to come talk to their representatives. This government has turned into something it was never meant to be, and it's time to make it end. What did that remind you of? Um, basically, you know, every, every Mad Magazine uh, cover I've ever seen, um, you know, um, and also a Saturday Night Live routine. You know, remember the the uh, the Saturday Night Live where they had Sarah Palin seeing uh, Russia from her house. Mm-hmm. I tell Those you what, some it, of my yeah, points. Um, I the one I most closely compare that to is when Mispe- uh, uh, Michelle Bachman pronounced chutzpah, chutzpah. That is, that's a good, that is a very, very good reference point. But honestly, chutzpah, at least um, you're reading it from the page, right? Uh, the phonetics. Gazpacho police. I mean, that's really, that is, that's a full-on, uh, you know, take there. And it, it really raises the, the question of, um, you know, whether she actually thinks that's the pronunciation. You know what I mean? I, as, or you know, where was that coming from? I didn't. By the way, I didn't know that was something. I didn't know that some cold soup has that name. I had no idea. Well, there is. Yeah, there is gazpacho soup. Right. But remember the remember the soup Nazi. Yes. On, uh, oh, yeah, you know, Morning on, Joe on was playing that that following morning. Of course. <laughs> well, of course, because you know, if you got gazpacho police, you know, you're going to have to deal with such things. But I really, I'm not kidding here. I'm kind of like intrigued by whether she is just that ignorant that she doesn't know, doesn't, you know, hasn't, hasn't encountered enough references to the run up to World War II and World War II and all of this awful history that she literally doesn't know the word, doesn't know how to pronounce it. Um, or if there's something going on in her head that is even more troubling than the first possibility. She's doing for the Republican Party what Green Acres and the Beverly Hillbillies did for rural America. Yeah, up to a point, I think there's some, some <laughs> fair, fair argument there. Uh, um, it, 
But with all due respect, she doesn't have a Mr. Drucker to set her straight. No, uh, she doesn't. Sam Drucker at the general store would not sell any gestapo. He wouldn't have any gazpacho there. And uh, Mr. Haney wouldn't be with the gazpacho police, I don't think. Although but. Mr. Haney reminds me a lot of Senator John Kennedy. That That, that is, that's yeah, too yeah, yeah, yeah. right? All right. Uh, yeah. Speaking of funny characters, uh Boy, do we have a Republican primary coming up in the race for governor. Here we go. Got you covered. This is 27 News at 6. The only viable option left to me that ensures what the majority of Wisconsinites seek is that today I officially announced my candidacy for governor of the great state of Wisconsin. A new candidate has announced his run for governor. State Representative Timothy Rampton, who has for months made unsubstantiated claims of widespread fraud in the 2020 election, joins the Republican primary today. Capitol Bureau Chief A.J. Biopore is in Kewaskum, where Rampton's main target is his own party's leaders. Announcing his run for governor, Representative Timothy Rampton makes very little mention of Governor Tony Evers, the Democratic incumbent he hopes to unseat. Instead, much of his focus and that of a pact crowd in this high school auditorium is directed on Wisconsin's Republican leadership. Time and again, Ramthan and his supporters in this audience call for the legislature to take up his resolution seeking to decertify the 2020 election, something the legislature's lawyers have said would be illegal. My Pillow CEO, Mike Lindell, took the stage and continued to make baseless claims of voting machines having been hacked. He too targets Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. And you, the people, got to go, um, if you're Republican-controlled, um, Robin Voss, why, why, we've got all this evidence, why can't we decertify now? Yeah. Uh-huh. Ramthan himself called out GOP leadership over their defense of Voss's decision to take away his legislative staffer. I don't bend to special interest, hidden agenda, leadership, and sometimes even party. If it's not right for the people, then I won't do it. And I haven't, and they're mad at me for it. In a statement Saturday, the Democratic Party of Wisconsin says, quote, Trumpy Tim Ramthan acts like a joke, but threats to democracy posed by him and Wisconsin Republicans are real. The other GOP candidates in this race, former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish and former Marine Kevin Nicholson, who unsuccessfully ran for U.S. Senate in 2018, both did not respond to our messages. <laughs> what do you say about that? <laughs> You know, uh, Timothy Ramthan, I think he's set a record in Wisconsin. Now, maybe you can correct me. You're quite a student of history. I don't believe a candidate for governor has ever highlighted not one, but two people that wanted to use the military to overturn the election. And that would be Michael Flynn and, of course, Mike Lindell, my pillow guy. Well, yeah, I, you know. I, That's pretty, you know, screw the voting machine. Screw the voting machines. Why doesn't Rampton just run on the pledge of using the military to take over the election? You know, let's just have a coup. Why go through the complexities of it? Um, but, you know, the interesting thing is I think, you know, it kind of makes you long for the, the, the deep insights of Edmund Husay, uh and uh, and some of our past candidates from the from the fringe. But, uh, no, the, the, the interesting thing is, you, Doug when, Doug Coffrin. Oh yeah, but when my pillow guy starts talking, right? I mean, doesn't he? He sounds like he went to the Ron Johnson School of Linguistics. Oh, those uh, 
Well, they're both. I, I, maybe he was a class ring salesman from Minnesota. Minnesota. He's a Minnesotan. Right. But he just sort of shreds the words. And it, it's, it's kind of agonizing. Mark Newman used to do that. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. would he would make he would take all the words of partial birth abortion and would go parsh burst borsh. He parsh burst Yeah, right. He, yes, I think that's from the knuckle scraping on the ground. I'm not sure, but I think that's maybe where that happened. Okay, so Ramplin's had quite a week. Yesterday there was a little rally at the Capitol. All state lawyers and Republican leaders have said it is illegal and impossible to decertify the results of the 2020 election in Wisconsin. Two Republican lawmakers held a rally asking Speaker Robin Voss to do just that. Earlier today, Representatives Tim Ramplin and Janelle Branchin headlined an election integrity rally at the Capitol Rotunda. The goal of the rally, trying to get Republican leaders to greenlight a resolution that would decertify the election. I'm not conspiracy where's the cameras they're all over right i'm not conspiracy i'm into truth i want justice and closure on the details of the mechanics of our process it doesn't matter who's on the ballot what matters is what's the effect on the voter in multiple lawsuits recounts in dane and milwaukee counties and two election reviews the 2020 election has been audited reviewed and upheld i'm not conspiracy yeah, not even a conspiracy theorist. I'm just, I'm, I'm not. I'm not conspiracy. Yeah. Embody, I am not the walking embodiment of a conspiracy. <laughs> um, and, you know, here's a note to self, uh, Sly, when you're speaking at any public events. Um, uh, a, probably, you know, if you got to start with the, the message that you're not conspiracy, um, you're off on the wrong foot already. I'm not a um, witch. Yeah, exactly. Remember, I'm not a witch. Oh, yeah, from uh, Delaware. Right. But, uh, and that, that turned out well. Oh, very well. The, the, uh, the other one is the, the other speaker on at that event, that uh, was a branch, uh, she started her speech by saying, uh, you're not crazy. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, you've got two major speakers at an event, one telling him that, that he's not personally the embodiment of conspiracy, and the other one saying, oh, we're not crazy. Um, that. Yeah. Oh, who's the Colorful. punk? Who's the punk band that did the song "I'm Not Crazy"? It's uh, uh, the song's actually called "Institutionalized." It's a great song. Yeah. Well, look. Uh, bottom line is that uh, it, when when those are your kind of like talking points that we're not crazy, we're not you know these aren't conspiracies and stuff like that. You've already kind of moved into the zone where uh, you invite the question of whether maybe you are. And the, the thing that's really interesting here is that one of the subtexts of this is that they brought paperwork to that rally at the Capitol, right? <laughs> and they had, they had documentation that showed that they could overturn the election. And do you know what it was? It was from Virginia, the, wasn't it? It was the Virginia. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so somebody had neglected to tell them. They're in Wisconsin. Well, you know, that's I can see how that happened because you you know who the organizer of that rally was? Someone from Virginia? No. no. He actually I think is from Ozaki County. His name is Jefferson Davis. Not making that up. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not making that up. His name's Jefferson that's, Davis. <laughs> uh, bad starting point right there. See, that's how uh, the that's the Virginia tie. Yeah, the but, capital but, of the know, Confederacy was in Richmond, yeah, right? No, I, 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 I'm getting everything that you're saying here, um, seeing where you're coming from, Sly. And, you know, I just got to be honest with you. If my name was Jefferson Davis, I think I'd go with Jeff. <laughs> oh, no.
Oh, I think they wear that quite proudly now. Well, it's, it's quite obvious why. And can I just point out, apropos of nothing here, that that just as if anybody is thinking that we're we're being a little glib on this. Did you notice how the Confederate flag suddenly showed up in Canada the last couple of weeks? I was just going to bring that up. R- right next to the flags that say F. Trudeau, except they can't spell Trudeau. So, the yes. Hardford. You know, because that name's hardly been around in Canadian politics. <laughs> it's such a rare name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yes, they, uh, uh, yes, Confederate flags in Ottawa. Boy, that is... Uh, yeah. Have you seen the signs that, you know, there's kind of a, people in Montreal make fun of Ottawa for being kind of a quiet place. And so they, I love the demonstrators against the truckers that are holding up signs saying, make Ottawa boring again. I love that. Well, I like that, but I'm still, I'm pretty strong with the uh, uh, demonstrators in Vancouver when some of the truckers came out there and they arrayed a bunch of young women, uh, 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 across a, a, a bridge with signs that said "Honk if you're if you are not well endowed," um, <laughs> or some variation thereon, and uh, and and it was interesting because suddenly all the trucks stopped honking and went silent. That is a, that's a way to do it. That's a little jujitsu. It, it was an effective protest. It, it was uh, very effective, uh, far more effective than Ottawa's police chief who uh, quit yesterday. Probably a good idea. Uh, just uh, I think they you know look. Everything about that exposed one of the complexities of Canada, which is a lot A lot of Canada has operated on, you know, kind of like an agreement that we're all going to be kind of nice to each other. And if, if you violate that agreement, there's not a lot of structure to, to deal with that circumstance. And weirdly enough, uh, we in the U.S. have a similar circumstance. A lot of our election laws and structures are based on reasonable, sane people being involved in the process and when you remove the reasonable sane people and insert you know my pillow guy and and this ransom character uh you end up in a situation where the whole thing gets gets really messed up because uh so many of the the baselines were you know rooted in an assumption that everybody would would come to the table with you know shared shared values shared understanding and that's just not the case. Well, I think the we learned. I think we learned in Florida, even back in two thousand. Look at bringing yeah. James Baker. Look what they did. Look, this has been building for years, and oh, so yeah. many people are responsible for this. They've been playing this sort of two-step with the crazies, and I'll tell you who's yeah. getting burned is Robin Voss. Robin oh, yeah, Voss yeah. has I mean, a big problem on his hands. That's so unfair to him, Sly. <laughs> uh, yeah, but nice, yeah, nice I mean, man. Yeah, I mean, this guy created this this thing, right? And Robin Voss is like the, you know, he's like the George Bush of, of Wisconsin. He's a guy who, um, you know, wanted power for power's sake and, you know, for all the advantages that come from it and stuff like that. And, you know, what the end result was that uh, you put somebody who isn't all that great at what they do into a position of power, and they think they can keep operating by the rules of 20 or 30 years ago and basically lie to their own base. Uh, and ultimately, that blows up on you. And, and for, for Boss, the challenge that he's got now is it isn't just himself, right? It's that he got his whole caucus to go with him 
on, on you know, punishing Ransom and, and generally kind of picking this fight. All right, let and me ask also, you. Yeah, let me ask you a quick question because we got to take a break. Can can Ranthon win the Republican primary? I've been thinking about that. That is a very very interesting question. Um, if indeed they can get money behind him, you know, if my pillow guy and these other people and sort of a national crowdsourcing can um, potentially in a in a primary, uh, he does one of two things. Either he does, you know, establish a North Pole and perhaps actually be a, a, I don't know if he can win, but a very credible candidate, get a, you know, very serious position. Or he drags the other candidates over to extremes, to such extremes that um, that uh, he assures that whoever the nominee is loses in November. But no matter what happens here, he is a very significant entry into this race. I think a lot of media is treating him as, you know, like, you know, the crazy uncle that, that, you know, straggled in at the end of the Thanksgiving dinner. But um, in reality, I think he's, I think he speaks to a good portion of the base. And that rally he had announcing his candidate, that was a packed gym. We'll take a break. John Nichols from the Capital Times and the Nation at SliceOffice.com. Similar to a well-tuned automobile, a guitar requires the same level of attention to perform at its very best. No matter how expensive your guitar may be, we will treat you and your instrument with the utmost respect. Call 920-723-1733 or visit jeffsguitar.com. Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Ford Atkinson, we love guitars. The attorneys at Jingris, Thompson & Walks have had the honor of receiving numerous awards for their work both in and outside the courtroom. But just as important as receiving accolades for being skilled attorneys, it's equally important to give back to the community in which they live and work. If you want a personal attorney that can help you in so many different areas, they've got them. They're in Eau Claire, Madison, Milwaukee, and Waukesha. They're easy to reach. GTWlawyers.com. That's GTWlawyers. We're back at SliceOffice.com, brought to you by Madison Computer Works and also Jeff's Guitar Clinic. John Nichols from the Capital Times with us. Yesterday, we're recording this on Wednesday morning. Yesterday was primary election day and a sad state of our democracy. And I can't remember this happening in recent times where we literally had no elections here in Dane County for the primary. So, or at least, uh, yeah. So pretty oh, remarkable. Yeah, had, um, had a, a heck of a school board race in Mount Horeb. Well, yes, uh, but I'm talking about the city yeah, of Madison. Nothing. All right. In, in the city of Madison, no reason to go to the polls. Let's, uh, let's see what happened in Milwaukee. Acting Mayor Cavalier Johnson and former Alderman Bob Donovan beat out five other candidates. Now they will advance to the general election. Hannah Hillier joining us live at City Hall. And Hannah, one of these two men will be the city's first new mayor in nearly two decades. All right, Deanna and Jaron. So we are now one step closer to finding out who will fill out the remainder of Tom Barrett's term in the mayor's office here at City Hall. Turnout was low for yesterday's primary election, but the city's current acting mayor, Cavalier Johnson, dominated the race, receiving nearly 42% of the votes yesterday. Retired Alderman Bob Donovan coming in second with 22%. Both candidates did make victory speeches last night, mentioning safety safety as a top priority here in the city. Safer streets, better schools, and good jobs. Yes. And if 
The citizens of Milwaukee choose me as their next mayor. I pledge to you tonight a commitment to get that done. I'm under no illusion that the answer is simply more cops on every corner. There are no simple solutions. There are none. It's neighborhood healing. It's standing up for one another. It's giving our youth alternatives to violence. It's teaching safe driving. It's building and rebuilding the community right here in Milwaukee. I'm thinking one sounds more rational than the other. How about you? <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a contrast there, wasn't there? Bob Donovan <laughs> sounds like some character from The Simpsons. Bob Donovan sounds like a, a caller to talk radio that, that the host has to interrupt. The Monty. <laughs> Say, uh, Monty. He sounds like Monty. It's like, it's like yeah, I, I appreciate your call, caller. <laughs> Plink. Um, no, it's uh, the weird thing about about this circumstance and what's what's happened there. First off, um, I was I'm intrigued by by the the, uh, the correspondent saying that the turnout was low, and yeah, the turnout was like attendance at a at a junior high volleyball game. Uh, it was it was you know not. In fact, I, I don't want to insult junior high volleyball. This was a very very low turnout uh, election. And uh, as a result, you got kind of an, a, uh, an odd measure where you basically got uh, Cavalier Johnson, who was running a citywide campaign and, of course, ran way ahead of everybody and, and, and would have been a higher turnout election. But then for that second choice, you ended up uh, with getting, you know, in, in Donovan, somebody who, you know, uh, with a really quite small number of votes, for a thing for a major metropolitan, think of this. We're talking about a major American city um, is in the race, and and I just don't think that would have been the case if you'd had you know even a, a, a baseline traditional turnout. Um, what that's going to translate to is as we move toward April, when there will be a higher turnout, there'll be you know at least a little more energy around around the whole thing. Um, I can't see a way that uh, that Johnson doesn't prevail overwhelmingly because. Uh, well, you know, I, I think that, that Donovan is, you know, he speaks to a certain, actually very conservative uh, audience, of which you've got some in, in Milwaukee. Uh, my bet is that his following is more outside Milwaukee than in Well, Milwaukee. it's interesting you say that, because he was pandering for money last night on television and asking people for the su- from the suburbs to send their money in. Oh, did he really? Yes. That, that gets to the heart of the matter. Right. And I've noticed that sometimes when I'm in, in Madison, um, I'll be listening to Vicki McKenna's radio show, and there will be Donovan on it, right, you know, doing an interview. And that's fine. I mean, it's totally appropriate. But it's not – I don't think that's what I would think of as your traditional um, uh, way of doing it. Now, I know that she's on in, in Milwaukee as well, and I, I respect that. But um, it just strikes me that he's run a campaign – uh, up a very narrow lane, and uh, I don't see that as a way that you end up as a viable candidate for mayor of Milwaukee. It's really remarkable what Cavalier Johnson has done since the beginning of the year. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody nope. knew who he, he was. Inherited- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he inherited the mayorship, but he used the news, uh, the news cycle, so effectively. Obviously, ran effective ads and became. Now, you know, to be honest, I'm volunteering on his campaign, so I'll I'll make that clear. But he, in the tank. <laughs> but I will tell you that 
uh, you know, uh, Lena Taylor and also Ernell Lucas posed a challenge to him. I mean, that that fractured some of the African-American vote. And uh, and yet Johnson still prevailed. Now, Lena Taylor was Lena Taylor last night. Here she is. I think in the black community, we have to deal with home ownership and we have to deal again with entrepreneurship and access to opportunity. We want to change public safety. We've got to dig to the root to do it. You're not going to be able to police or mass incarcerate your way out of it. So you're going to be close to the status quo with the people that you have in the front. She did not congratulate Cavalier Johnson. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it, it, it's an interesting dynamic there because she went into that race with uh, higher name recognition. Oh, absolutely. Probably. Yeah. Lucas, the same way. Yeah. Sure. Both of them as, you know, people who have run, who've got, you know, you know, positions of power that represent a lot of folks. And with Lena Taylor, she's an immediate former candidate for mayor in the in the last uh, mayoral cycle. So uh, she had a lot going for her, but it just didn't come together. Um, and and frankly, that's the interesting thing about the Milwaukee mayoral race. It's actually worth, worth looking at, uh, despite this incredibly low turnout, um, that you saw a lot of forces that um, you might have thought would have would have gotten more traction. Uh, you had a progressive candidate, Marina, who was uh, running, who um, you know had a, quite a few labor endorsements, and obviously had a base in in her own uh, in Bayview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just you know, you know kind of didn't didn't really take off. Uh, same with uh, Lena Taylor, who obviously has a base in her own district and a name, and uh, and just didn't take off. And the interesting thing about the sheriff is, um, you know, I, if there was anybody who, you know, positioned right, should have been able to, to make it through, um, especially at a time when, it, you know, be honest, it, that uh, criminal justice issues are a big, big deal in, in Milwaukee. Um, he should have been the one. And, and so, in a sense, uh, I think Johnson, as a, a newcomer to citywide politics, obviously somebody who's been on the council, um, really proved himself. It was, I mean, he had a, he had a genuine challenge, and uh, he overcame it in this primary, I think in a big way. And what's interesting about that is the potential that uh, he's going to be a significant player, not just in Milwaukee, but, but possibly beyond Milwaukee. Let's, uh, well... One more clip here. Uh, this is Milwaukee County Clerk George Christensen talking about the low turnout. I am surprised by that, quite honestly. And and if I, um, you know, if I had to guess, I really think it's just because you know negativity facing um, elections, which is caused by uh, so much of the uh, the visceral uh, comments and what you're hearing with uh, you know from the Republican Party throughout the state. Uh, I think it's just too negative, and I think it's hurting. Um, Hurting our democracy. Thoughts? Well, he's on message, um, without a doubt. And, and, I mean, that is a serious issue. Although I, I have to tell you, I think um, the bigger factor is exhaustion. And, and be very, very blunt about it. I think that there is a little bit of just uh, political fatigue at this point. We've been through a lot, and what the Republicans are doing feeds into that. Mm-hmm. It, it does create frustration, that, but I think it's a bigger deal. And he's kind of getting to something, and maybe we're extending on it and getting to something here, that may be the most important thing we say today. And that is, 
that low turnout in Milwaukee uh, for the election of a mayor, the first really you know, open competitive race in, in quite a long time, uh, is a, a, a warning signal, a, a red alert uh, for the 2022 midterms. Because if you've got low turnout in Milwaukee, if Milwaukee underperforms, and if other urban areas around uh, Wisconsin underperform, then uh, Ron Johnson and whoever the Republican nominee for governor is uh, have have much to look forward to. The governor did his state of the state address last night. I found it strange. Uh, he <laughs> he introduced himself to the state again. The the first half of it was a campaign speech. I thought it was clumsy. Uh, I thought it was odd. And I and I'm a little concerned that obviously his handlers believe he needs to reintroduce himself to the people of the state of Wisconsin, so they're obviously seeing something in their polling that tells them uh, people don't really know who he is. Yeah, kind of a bad message, to be honest. With you know reintroduction, and also with, with all due respect, um, where was the where was the core message? Right? I mean, what was the theme of that speech? I'm giving people was, $150, which I think is a gimmick. Yeah, I think it's have a, dinner. Yeah, I have think dinner that's a. I think that's a bad gimmick. I don't like it. Uh, I don't. You know, Republicans are being duplicitous because they've done it as well. But let's remember what happened when Lee Dreyfus did that. Yeah, uh, it didn't oh. turn out so well for the state. No, I mean, it, it, look, it's it's a it's a long tradition in politics. I'm not going to beat Tony Evers up for doing it because everybody tries it, but. Also, I don't think it, get, it does very much for you. And, and as I said, you know, it's essentially, you know, it's the governor saying, have dinner on me, right? You know, uh, go out and have a nice dinner. Because it's not, it, it is a significant amount of money. I would take 150 bucks in any situation. But, but it's not enough to really, you know, alter a lot of people's lives. And, and so it begs the question of what you could do if, you know, that's the point of government. You take that money, you put it together, you do something big with it. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's a mistaken course, uh, not because it's awful or something like that, but it's a missed opportunity. And, and in general, I thought the governor's speech was a missed opportunity. I mean, when you go into a speech like this, especially in an election year, you have one core theme. And, and you pick your theme. Maybe it's that we've got the lowest unemployment in history, or you know, we're very close to the lowest unemployment in history in, in the state of Wisconsin. And, you know, Wisconsin's working. Now we have to make sure that, you know, wages are up, inflation is down, something like that. You know, like how we're going to harness this moment or whatever, you know, you pick your theme. But when the headlines coming off, the governor's state of the state uh, speech is, you know, governor touts accomplishments. Right. I mean, is anybody even going to read the story? No. Yeah. So no. it's a missed opportunity in an election year. Uh, it was uh, it was kind of a strange evening, and of course the Republicans were rude and intransigent, like like you'd expect them to be. But that's can that's. I, can I just tell you what I I hate the degeneration of the state of the state speech from the good old honorable days when Tommy Thompson was there, and you know remember when he would have like you know huge marching bands come in and and well they did have it, the marching like, band play last night. They came. The, I know the, was, they did, but it was a different feel. I mean. With Tommy, it was nothing short of fireworks within the Capitol, right? Literally shooting off fireworks. He, it, was, it was incredibly. He was a thing. terrific cheerleader. Uh, let, let's wrap up with that because you wrote a piece uh, talking about him. You think he's really thinking about running for governor? 
I think if enough people said he should, he would. Um, look, Tommy Thompson is a – Tommy Thompson has said he doesn't rule out running again for governor. He's 80 years old, and I think there's plenty of you know folks who will say maybe it's, maybe it's not time to do it again. But um, the fact of the matter is that uh, he is an incredibly uh, apt – he did a great – figure. He did a great job running the uh, UW system. And he is a, a social being. If a lot of people were to say to Tommy Thompson, you ought to run for governor, um, would he consider it? Without a doubt. And if he ran, that's what I really wanted to explore with the piece, is this question of if he ran, could he win the Republican primary? Well, if it's fractured, if it's fractured in yeah. enough directions, <laughs> you know, it's... Because what you ta- you answer me a question, you just asked me some questions. Let me ask you one. Um, if he was the Republican nominee, what would the result be in November? Uh, well, that could go one of two ways. Uh, uh-huh. He could pick up a lot of independent voters and beat Evers in an off-year election, a midterm election, or a lot of Republicans might stay home because they abandoned. don't want to abandon. Him. Yeah. So that I can't tell you which. I can't tell you which way the crazy clown car will go. <laughs> That's exactly right. I think it's a very complex issue, and it's a complex question. It's probably why he doesn't run, but it's a complex question for him because it's how does he position himself. When he ran for the U.S. Senate in 2012 against Tammy Baldwin, he positioned himself in the wrong way, and it, it didn't work, right? It's, it's as simple as that. Um, well, not to mention the quote-unquote few shekels he made came back to bite him. Uh, that you know, ta- you know that Tammy Baldwin, you know she's so sweet, but when she runs for office, uh, a switch flips, and she oh, goes yeah. for the jugular. Whoa! Switch. Yeah. No. Let me let me just tell you one thing. Tammy Baldwin has been in politics, right? Engaged in politics in you know Wisconsin since the 1980s. I mean, she is a very senior political figure. She came up, you know, when Tommy was in his first term as governor, and. Unlike Tommy, and unlike just about everybody else, she has never, ever lost an election. Some of that is timing and cycles, you know, the, the yeah, cycles she's been five, when you're, Yeah, five, when you're looking on 35 years in politics. Yeah, no, no. Other than, other than, other than John, other than John Sharpless, she, that was, that was, she almost lost that one, but she's had a pretty good track record. John Nichols from the yeah. Capital Times and The Nation, thanks for coming to Sly's office. Honored to be with you, brother. Slyesoffice.com. Thanks a million. Bye-bye.